Hey, what's up, universe? Welcome to episode 21 of It's a Choice. And this this episode I actually took some notes on, and it took me maybe about two hours to kind of like conjure up what, to kind of like piece it together, and I'm not sure how cohesive it's going to come out, but we're going to give it a shot. Uh, this idea I came up with um, a couple weeks ago, and it was originally going to be like titled, you know, The Lies That We Choose. Um, but it, it morphed, it totally changed into more than that. Um, it's going to be about like the words that we choose and then also really tied into music. And I'm going to have to just give a shout out to my friend, Rachel, um, for kind of like bringing out the, the musical aspect, um, of this. And then, um, I'm also going to have to go ahead and give a shout out, uh, to Reese as well for, for augmenting, you know, the musical aspect, um, of this as well. So, I'm going to kind of start off with a uh, couple of quotes, um, and this is going to start off with like the words. That's where I want to really begin is like with the words that we choose, right? And I've run into like this saying before, and I've really enjoyed it. And it's the quote is words cast spells. That's why it's called spelling. Words are energy. Use them wisely. And then I ran across another quote when I was doing some research for this podcast. And it says, when you are writing laws, you are testing words to find their utmost power. Like spells, they have to make things happen in the real world. And like spells, they only work if people believe in them. And it just got me thinking, like, I used to have a library. I'm a Sagittarius. I used to have hundreds of books in this library. And one of the books was Black's Law Dictionary. And I'm not sure how many people have actually taken a look at that, but it is like the definitive dictionary that's used for um, law, uh, at least like in the Western Hemisphere, especially like in England and in the United States. Um, and when you think about like, regardless of what culture you're in, but definitely in, in Western culture or European and American culture, we have a shitload of fucking laws. And why? Well, it's because we, those laws create our reality. And what are the laws made of? They're nothing but words. And what do lawyers do? They do nothing but parse the language, right? So words create our reality. Lawyers specifically, like they're very, very intentional with the language that they use and the way that they write and the way that they communicate. It's all very intentional. So words like truly, truly are casting spells and creating our realities. So now I'm going to move into the musical aspect of it. And I was turned on to, uh, this, turned on to this man um, named Stephen Ridley of Ridley Academy. Um, and he put on like a webinar a few weeks ago about a course that he gives um, and it was just really entertaining to watch him, right? So I'm going to go through some of the things that he spoke about because he really breaks down music in such a beautiful and simple way because his whole thing with his Ridley Academy is how to teach music and to make it accessible to everyone. And he talks about how most forms of music education like have overcomplicated the topic and he's able to really convey it in a, in a fun and fundamental, accessible way. Um, I really want my youngest son to actually 
participate, and I'm going to go ahead and speak it, my youngest son will participate in his program. So the first thing Stephen speaks about is basically, you know, he says that there's four real basic pieces of music, right? The very first part is the melody. And basically, it's a string of single notes. A melody is a string of single notes, one right after the other. And I'm quoting him here on this. And, and he says, when we're telling our story, you know, that's how we tell our story. So basically, in my interpretation, each individual note or a melody, that's like our musical words, right? And Stephen says that melody suggests a certain emotion. But melodies by themselves, they're open to interpretation, right? So then the second piece that makes up music is the chord. And a chord is a bunch of notes played at the same time. And I really enjoyed how Stephen put this out where he said chords create the environment that the melody sits in. It's like the musical imagery. And then the third thing is the scales, right? Um, so maybe there's five things, but I thought he said four in his video. Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. So the third thing are scales. And he said fundamentally, Fundamentally, scales is just a rule set for which notes to play and which notes not to play to create a certain emotion. That's what it is at a basic level, right? And then the next piece is the rhythm, right? The timing, it's measured movement, when to play the notes. And it's really just intuitive with what we're trying to communicate. What emotion are we trying to inspire in the audience, in our listeners, right? And then the last element he said is you or me and our emotion. And this is really cool. Um, the story that Stephen uh, related in his webinar, he, um, he said the difference, he said that he was playing in a bar when he was 15 and he was playing blues and he had just learned or came to know about the blues like two weeks before. And this man came up to him in the bar and Stephen realized um, or had learned that it was Johnny Cash and Johnny Cash spoke with him for like 40 minutes about his music. And so this piece I found really interesting and pretty cool. And Johnny Cash told Stephen, he said, do you know what the difference is between everyone else that plays my music and me? And he goes, when I go on stage, I know I'm Johnny Cash. And they know they are not. And so that last piece, that element is you and that knowing, right? Like, like, like the you know you know right like the things that you feel like that are just that wants to be expressed through you you the things that the universe wants to come through you you're the conduit and Stephen even says that like your body is your instrument right he says a lot of people say they can't sing but what they really mean is they can't sing like 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 so and so I can't sing like this person but really, everybody has a range, and everybody can sing. It's just that we can't necessarily sing like everybody else, right? Or like maybe our favorite artist, or the way things are so produced in studios now. Like, can anybody actually sing like some of these artists naturally without some form of technical augmentation? You know, that's, that's beside the point. But our bodies are instruments, right? And so I want to bring it kind of back around again to like this idea of of magic and words and I don't mean like magic in the sense of like uh parlor tricks or anything like that but the the idea of actually working with a participatory universe where we are speaking and creating our reality 
So like, as I was talking to Rachel, we, uh, we were talking about things like this cause, um, she was talking about how she'll listen to like certain music, like a female artist that will help her get in touch with the emotion that she wants to get to, to like set boundaries, right? It helps her connect and, and get grounded. And so we got to talking about like, you know, Harry Potter, uh, or I mentioned it. I was like, yeah, you know, this reminds me of like Harry Potter where like the wand, right? The wand is an instrument in the movie, but it is not like the thing, right? It is not the thing to really channel the power through the wand. It's the spell. It's a word that they have to say, and they have to say it like specifically, they have to say it correctly for the actual spell for the wand to do anything for like, for there to be any effect. So the word and how it's pronounced and like even the motion of the wand, right? Like are all part of creating that reality. And that kind of gets into the next piece, right? So like we were talking about like prayers and ceremonies. And since I was, you know, raised up in a Christian household, I can relate that most to like Christianity. So things like baptism or communion or, um, you know, things like that, where there's, you know, either prayers that are said or songs that are used, but there's this, there's a ceremony, there's a pageantry, there's a ritual around these things. And so you've got the words and then you've also got the musical part of it too, but these things are used to create an environment to create like a reality around things, right? And it's not just, we speak it but there's the emotion, it's the energy, it's the frequency around that. What vibration is being like created or used, I should say, what vibration is being used to create or manifest that reality? And so the next set of notes I have are like, like you know, when we create a mixtape, uh, I say mixtape because I'm old enough to remember that shit, or like when we create a playlist for somebody, um, you know, where you're, we're using music, um, and someone else's emotion, like that artist's emotion, not just the music that they created, but their emotion, just like what Steven was saying. He's like that, like when the last element, like you and your emotion, we're using somebody else's music. We're using their melodies and their chords and their rhythm and their emotion to speak for us, right? When we create a playlist for somebody, say we're Say we are sending it to a loved one, you know, somebody that we cherish, somebody that, you know, is in our heart, you know, uh, that type of thing. Like we, we are using those songs to communicate that emotion, you know, and we know that those songs, those lyrics, that music, that rhythm, those notes, like those chords and melodies will inspire that same emotion in the other person. And so we we use that. And <laughs> I had, I had, um, had something else I was going to say about it, but I'm going to just move into my next piece here where like an example of that. Oh, I know what it was. Sorry. So like for me, um, I, uh, used to not really like covers, right? Like people that would do like renditions of original songs. I always liked the original better. Cause I'm like, you know, the original artist, that's like, the origin, right? Like, I just, I just like that. I like the source material best. However, there is an artist um, that really kind of opened up, 
you know, changed my heart around some of that because there are some people that do renditions or covers um, that to me are better than the originals. So Christina Grimmie is definitely one of those artists and her um, cover of the Arctic Monkeys, Do I Want to Know, is like one of my favorite songs. And I really love most of Christina Grimmie's work. And I was telling my kids the other day, we were driving in the car and I was playing one of her songs. Um, it was the, yeah, it was the, um, oh, what was the name of the song? Um, Just a Dream. It was the name of the song. And she like just gets like a certain like just deep emotional expression when she's like singing certain parts of that song. And it just like, really hits me, you know, and I just, so I just really love that about her and her emotion. Like I just really connect with her frequency when she's singing. And another, another thing like, uh, that kind of illustrates this is a line from one of my favorite songs by the Verve, uh, called Bittersweet Symphony. There's a line in that song that says, I need to hear some sounds that recognize the pain in me. And so that just illustrates how we totally use, use this. Like it, think about Moulin Rouge and how that love story would be without the music, right? Dick Clark said, music is the soundtrack of our lives. Louis Armstrong said, music is life itself. Leo Tolstoy said that music is the shorthand of emotion. Marilyn Manson said, music is the strongest form of magic. And then I got to thinking about Uncle Iroh from the Avatar, The Last Airbender. I always talk about this show. It's my favorite children's show ever. It's, the, it's fucking awesome. Uh, anyway, in one of the episodes, Uncle Iroh plays, I don't know what musical instrument it is. It's a stringed instrument. It's not quite a guitar. But then he sings as well to a little boy who's crying to calm him down. And how many mothers or parents, but primarily moms, I'm sure, have created songs or sung to their small children to calm them down? Probably like 98 to 99 or 100%, like all of you women out there that have children have probably done this, you know? Um, either created your own music or lullaby or whatever, or sung one that you know, like it's just something that we connect with it's just so natural and that just yeah just music and the way that we create our realities through the words too you're not just going to say although some of the some of the uh lullabies you know um like <laughs> like rockabye baby like there's some words in there that are you kind of like read it and you're like that's not necessarily like the most pleasant of like imagery but the way that it is sung and the melody and everything makes it seem very very um like um how do i say benign right it seems very very harmless right and so it just goes back to one of the things i remember saying in college um is that it's not always what we say but how we say it right? This goes back to like the laws that we create or the language that lawyers use or what we use for ourselves to create the reality that we create for ourselves. It's not necessarily what we say, but how we say it. What's the emotion? What is the frequency? What, 
what are we truly creating with the words? Like, you know, it's not just the words themselves, although the words themselves are extremely powerful. What do we believe about those words? Like, what is our intention with those words? What is the emotion behind those words? And so, you know, that goes to like, it's a choice podcast, right? I, I believe I've spoken to this before. Choice, you look up the definition, the definition of choice is the act of selecting. There's action in that. There's doing. That's, you know, you act, you select, you have options and you choose. You make a choice. And then you, to tie into this, you've got the saying of like, choose your words wisely. And then think before you speak, right? So this goes to like here recently, like with my youngest son and one of his friends, right? We play, you know, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege like a lot. And this, uh, this one kid that we play with, um, we're all on a Discord call, right? That Discord is the name of the program. We're all on a call. And this one kid who's really good that we play with, you know, he, he was getting frustrated because he just he was having an off day. And he was like, I can't do anything in this game, you know, like, and he, he was expressing his frustration. When I listened to this kid, even though he was saying the words, I can't do anything in this game, I could feel through his emotion that he was just expressing his frustration. He did not truly believe that he couldn't do anything in this game because he knows how good he is. He was just venting. My youngest son, on the other hand, says the exact same words. Ah, oh, I can't do anything in this game. His words, however, convey an entirely different emotion. He's expressing them with an entirely different emotion. And from his words, I can feel that he believes that he cannot do anything in this game. Both individuals are using the exact same words, but they are creating entirely different realities. They are creating entirely, entirely different realities. And so that goes back to what I just said about think before you speak. And I'm going to end this podcast with a quote from Lao Tzu, which says, watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. And when I read this quote, I don't, when I read the word character, I don't just mean like who we are as far as like, oh, that person's of good character, that kind of thing, like of a good character. No, I view it as like, what character are we creating? This is the story of our lives. We are the main character. We are the star of the show. We are the main point of our life. Like, we are it. So what character are we creating? What role do we want to play? How do we want to show up? How do we want to appear? as in one of the other podcasts, how do we want to identify from another podcast? What identity do we want to have? What character do we want to be in our story? All right, that's what I got. Thank you for listening. Go live an inspired life so you can inspire others to go live their authentic and inspired life.
because at the end of the day, living an inspired life is a choice. All right, I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye.